Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So the last time we spoke before the barbecue, we spoke about um, who is your authority? You know, what is your authority? And what, what do you mean by that? Sometimes when we hear the word authority, we, we get negative emotions or feelings or whatever. But, but the question is, what's your authority? And what do I mean is, why do you get up? Or why do you dress the way you dress? Or why do you not do what you don't do? Or, or, or what leads you, essentially? Who's your captain? Who's the captain of the ship, ship, ship? And that's a big question because really... What your authority is really defines and determines the rudder in the ship, the direction in which you go. And, and it, it defines whether you say sorry or not often. It defines whether you, you even want forgiveness or look for forgiveness or, or want to make things right with certain people in our lives. It defines often how you, your attitude going into work, your attitude coming home from work, it defines really everything about you in the direction that your life is taking. And so it's really important, and really we talked about, um, you know, some of us, our life authority is tradition, just because I've always done that. And that's powerful. Patterns are powerful. Sometimes you know, you're just brushing your teeth this morning, you don't even realize why. You don't have to think about why. It's just what you do. It's what you've done from you were five. Or maybe... Um, when you drive the car, at the start when you're trying to do your driving test, you're thinking about every detail, but then 10, 15 years down the line, you forget actually, how did I get here today? <laughs> how did? Because it's so subconscious, you're not even thinking about it, you're in a pattern. And then some of us were making decisions because of, hey, if I post this, such and such, or those people might see it, or those people might like it, I might be more higher esteemed in the community. And so some of our reasoning for doing things is really, what will people think of me? And unfortunately, we see people um, losing themselves because of that. They lose uh, their identity. We lose our, our um, respect for ourselves. Because really, if we're honest, we're driven by society. We're driven by culture. We're driven by magazines. We're driven by Instagram reels. We're driven by those things and whatever's going on there. We submit to that idea. We submit to that culture, and so we base our life around it. And some of us, um, we're maybe um, driven by or under the authority of maybe family. Because our family's already done that, we identify this is who we are, this is what we do as a family, and so that's my authority. And you know, you've never questioned it. And, and a lot of us, if we're honest, and I'm not saying these are all black and white, but it's probably a mixture. A lot of us in today's world, we're driven by feelings. Have you realized that yet? And our authority is our feelings. So if you're tired going to work or, or, or in your family, you nearly give yourself the license of the grace to be rude because your feelings have become your authority. Or if you feel one way one day, that you, you, you shape the day around that feeling. And if you feel another way another day, you shape your world around that feeling. The problem is those things change. We also talked about how 
when I was 15, my beliefs, my thoughts, my experience was completely different to the age I am today. And I actually probably think the person that I was at 15, even at 25, was a, was a bit of a fool in some ways. But the problem is I'm going to get older, and, and I'm going to look back probably in 10, 20, 30 years, I'm going to have learned a lot more lessons. I'm going to look back at me at 36 and think, whoa, you were so foolish in some ways as well. And so that lesson never ends. So, so what is our authority? Is it my feelings? Because my feelings are evolving. I'm learning. I'm getting things wrong. So, so what do we go by? Same with a parent, with a kid. You know, you're speaking from a place of more wisdom, but not ultimate wisdom. And that's the way, the way when we submit ourselves to the Word of God, the authority of God, the authority of Scripture, what we're saying is, God, you're so much smarter than me. And if I'm expecting my kids or to come under my authority, then how much more should we come under God's authority, who is the creator of the universe, who made us from the very beginning of time, he knew we would be formed in the womb. How much more should we honor and submit ourselves to his authority? How much safer will we be if we come under that kind of knowledge, that kind of wisdom, that kind of power? That's why the Bible says, submit yourself, humble yourself, and submit yourself under God's mighty hand. It's not a weak hand. His ways are mighty. And you won't, like a kid with a, a parent, sometimes you will kick and you will scream. And sometimes things will happen that you do not like. And that's normal. And that's what submitting looks like sometimes. You can't see. And so here's the problem that I find as I look at the culture today. Especially today, in today's world, I'm hearing this thing time and time again, love is love. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. I like it on the surface. But if we dig a little bit deeper, what is it really saying? It's really communicating to the next generation and this generation that, hey, we accept you. Do what you want. There are no boundaries. There is no framework to life, there is no authority. Just we accept everyone, go play. The problem with that mindset and attitude is you apply that to any other area of your life and it's a mess. Apply that to the building site. Hey guys, we accept you as a builder, as a plumber, as an electrician. We love you, you're so good, you're so nice, you're empowered. Now go make something. We've got millions of pounds worth of equipment. Jesse B's, do what you want. We're going to trust that you're going to find the truth and we're going to erect some amazing buildings. <laughs> who's putting their money? If you were a betting person, I'm not promoting betting. Who's putting their money on something beautiful being built? Not me. <laughs> There's no chance. I'm not saying builders try to cut corners, but sometimes they do. If it's time's on the limit... And there's a paycheck, I'm telling you. Even with a system, <laughs> we got leaks coming through our roof. <laughs> I'm serious, we do. <laughs> and so what I'm trying to say is, without order, there is no functionality. Love is not just love, question mark, with no structure, with no boundaries, with no authority. With, that's nonsense. You see, God's love, it's got the front end right. So Jesus 
came to die for us while we were still sinners, right? So that means we can be accepted as a sinner, as a broken person, as someone who has not got it all together, who's on a journey. Can I get an amen? So I agree with that love part. The problem with God's love is it's so powerful and so rich and so informed is that God loves us so much that he's not willing to let us live in dysfunction and stay the way we are. Because God knows that sin keeps us longer than we want to stay. It costs us more than we want to pay. And it takes us further than we want to go. It's destructive. It doesn't build your life. But the problem is, if you want to live a life airy-fairy with no order, you will not see God's best in your life. End off. Because God does have a will, He does have a way, it is clear, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we throw the toys out. I get it. I understand it. But we got to understand that there's an enemy who lies to us. He's in us, speaking, lying all the time, saying, oh, just do your thing. Do your way. Go with your feelings. Oh, my word. Like, this, this scenario, you need to go in for surgery, heart surgery, whatever it is. You go into NHS and say, listen, I just want someone who believes in love is love in regards to surgery. You know, as long as their intentions are good, I'm happy to go to surgery with them. I'm happy for them to open up <laughs> my chest. As long as love is love, <laughs> work away. I'm believing for a miracle. Like, would you seriously sit under <laughs> that surgeon? No chance. Why? Haven't had training, preparation, experience. They haven't used wisdom. They haven't used mistakes of the past and used history to inform them. They haven't used the technology at hand, and they're just going to wing it. But, but when you put order in, you put preparation in, and you put a way of doing things in that has been known for years by learning through mistakes and processes, then all of a sudden, there's somebody who's way more trustworthy and it's someone who lives by a way, who has went to school for years upon years upon years, studied books upon books of experiences. That's who I'm going to surgery with. And so we've got to be so careful in the culture that we live in that we don't fall for this narrative that's nonsense. It doesn't even make sense on any level. Are you with me? Okay, good. Just getting worried. And so this is what we see in the Bible. So Jesus accepts us while we're sinners, but, but he loves us so much he doesn't want to leave us the way we are. He wants to turn us and empower us into people just like Christ who came with power, who came with might, who came into scenarios and turn them upside down for the better. Yeah, but there's order, and there's a way, and there's a will to do that. It's not just willy-nilly. It's not just hope for the best and things work out. That doesn't work on any level, in any workplace, in any family. Listen, I'm, I'm, I was with a couple, I don't know if this morning, and we, we were talking about marriage, and I'm so thankful that I had good preparation to marriage 
that I had a clear expectation that there will be times it's hard, but, but I'm not just going into marriage with the idea of everything's going to be okay. Love is love. Everything will just work out. Good luck. <laughs> All the married people are laughing. Good luck to you. Love is love. You just wanna, on the wedding day, everything's going to magically fall into place and all of your sin is going to disappear. Yeah, right. And, and, and you're going to become this loving, sacrificial type person that is so lovable that, no, it's not. You're not going to turn into that person. It's not going to happen unless you follow away, unless you have an authority that breathes life. Because if you don't, it's over. You will not last a crack. And that's what, why the culture is shifting. That's why divorce rate is going up. And listen, there's no condemnation if you're divorced and things haven't worked out, but let's get the next one right. Amen? Let's learn some things. What went wrong? What did the culture teach me wrongly? What did my feelings teach me wrongly and led me to destruction? Let's, let's get the next one right. Um, and so we're doing pre-marriage counseling, and the wisdom that I was given, I'm so thankful for, was listen. We, everybody plans with good intentions to be married, but, but who's planning against divorce? And I was like, flip, when I heard that, I was like, that is so good. Because we all have good intentions. We all want the best in the moment. But the problem is, have we put shields up? Have we been taught to look out for, and be alert for the enemy who's going to come and attack you with lies? Have, are we self-aware to understand that we have actually believed that feelings are more important than the Scripture and the Word of God? Do we actually know the Word? Do we know God's way in this situation? Do we know what even the Bible says? You know, husbands, love your wives and wives respect. Do, do we know what that practically means? So today I want to talk a little bit more practically about God's will, not just give you a bunch of scriptures and leave you to figure it all out. And you, you know, if we're honest, life gets busy. So let's have some real conversations. Are you ready? So I'll just start with this here. The world tells you follow your heart. Love is love. Jesus says follow me. Big difference. Big difference. It's a completely different platform. The world says believe in yourself. As if you have all the answers. <laughs> yeah, go believe in yourself there. See how long that lasts and you realize that you're as flawed as the next person. Jesus says, just believe in me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Not the world, not yourself. I am. The world says, discover, go discover yourself. And f I, I get some of that. Yeah, you need to become self-aware, but Jesus says, no, no, to the, the foundational statement is deny yourself. The foundational statement is you're standing on a rock which is steadfast, immovable, cannot be changed, reliable. It's a good place to start. Deny your feelings. That's not your leader. Jesus is your leader if you submit to him. Uh, the world says, be true to you meaning do what you want. <laughs> sounds great. So, it sounds like a good thing to tell a spoiled child, right? Hey, just be true to you, darling, son. 
you know, just be true to you. Just rack all around you. If that's you, you know, can't wait till you're 20. Oh, watch out, world. I can't wait till you're on, you know, you're so true to you. I've trained you so well. Just be true to you. Just, you know, tables are wrecked. Chairs are wrecked. You've got everything you wanted. Can't wait till you're 17 on the road, driving. I'm not on that road. Be true to you. Jesus says, be true to me. Authority. He's our authority. And you know what the beauty about God's authority is? That's where God's blessing is. That's also where freedom is found. And that's also where you find purpose. I wish I had an umbrella. Because God's authority is a bit like being under an umbrella. The rain might be pouring. But if you step under his, out from his authority, you're no longer covered. And so you got life, you're doing life your own way, doing your own thing, but you come under his authority, you're protected. And I just love, we talked about this in the last message, that every time Jesus responded, it's, what, go, go read the scriptures for yourself. How many times? He didn't say, I feel. He didn't say, I think we should. He says, it is written. That's, I'm not saying he didn't sense God speaking to him in different parts. Of course he did, but his foundation was it was written. I'm not saying God doesn't speak to us, but sometimes we're too... This is what I would say in my experience. For too long, I was looking for too long because it was exciting. I was looking for a, a voice in my head more than I was looking for a, a verse that was written. But Jesus taught us that his first response was, it is written. That was the frame. Then the voice of the Lord spoke within that framework. And I think some of us were chasing voices. And here's the problem with chasing voices, if you're not grounded in the word first, is a lot of the voices aren't God's. And then you get disappointed because you think God told you something in which he didn't. And then all of a sudden you lose your faith because God didn't do what he said he would. When really, maybe what if your insecurities, what if your will was being imposed on God? instead of his will on yours. And so we can lose our feet. We've got to be very careful. So that was the introduction. So let me just pray. <laughs> Today's message is called Feelings Are Not Final. God, I just pray and ask you to come and speak through me, speak uh, to your people, into their hearts, into their situations, God, any, anywhere where we believe something that's just not true, just gently remind us and help us just to turn away from that thing or that belief. And, and just, God, I thank you that you protect us by your ways and by your truth. I thank you for your authority. It's actually a great thing. It's, you're not attacking us. You're not trying to hurt us. You're actually trying to protect us and, and make a way for purpose and, and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. So God's will is, how do we find God's will where we are? Let, let me just qualify this as well, because we're, we're a church that really pushes people to serve. Not pushes people, but asks. <laughs> because it's important, but let me, let me, I think it's important that I define this correctly. 
As a church, let's be honest, we're here for one hour on a Sunday. <laughs> your purpose, most of your purposes aren't defined by one hour on a Sunday. Listen, this is a family gathering. We need help. If you would love to help with kids, we would love your help. It's one of those kind of family gatherings where you bring the lettuce and I'll bring the meat and you bring the drinks and we'll use your house. That, it's like a family gathering, right, church, at a weekend. And we come to praise the name of Jesus and we come to, to encourage one another. But, but your purpose and your, God's will in your life isn't just one hour on a Sunday. So let me take the pressure off some of you who are mothers and just too busy to do any of that, but you still want to be on team. You're still welcome. On, we still need you. Because the church was never de defined by one hour on a Sunday. <laughs> the church was never supposed to be one hour on a Sunday or two hours or whatever that is. It was supposed to be 24-7 every day of the week. And so your purpose, that you come to do the growth track, we're trying to equip you with, with your gifts so you can bring that into the Monday with your family, with your friends, in your workplace. That's really where your purpose is found. Where are you spending most of your time? It's every... And so my fear is that we would have a church that just kind of falls for the lie that the church is just a one-hour thing or my, my growth to become more like Christ is just as long as I do well on a Sunday or, or read for five minutes. That's nonsense. It's a journey. Every second of every day matters. It counts. You think about, gen some of you might have heard of generational curses. Well, they, all, all, they often happen through one moment of one day, in one second, you make a bad call to react in bitterness or to re react in rage, and those processes can continue for generations. Why? It's, it's usually not in church. It's usually not while you're worshiping. It's usually while you're at home or, or, or there's relational issues, and so this is what we got to we step into and, and bring God's ways into our every day or every second. And listen, we're on a journey. We're sinners. We're not, we're not, we don't identify as sinners, but we sometimes sin. We're, we're, we're sons and daughters who sometimes sin. We're in process, a sanctification process. But, but let's invite God's ways. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in so we can start to get better. I'm not where I was when I was 15, but I, I've still got some, some ways to go. I, I'm living this life in the middle. Of, I'm better than I was. I'm saved by grace. I've been given the power of the Holy Spirit, but I'm still on a journey. Can I get an amen? So let's relieve the pressure and let's focus on relationship with Christ and with others. And let's learn, let's get, become self-aware of where are my weaknesses? Where do I have issues? I'm going to get to the scripture here in a second, by the way. If any, any of you there are getting a wee bit nervous, he's not even using the Bible here. I'm quoting it, by the way, as well. Okay. So the first, the first point is obviously feelings are not final. I want to read this scripture to you, and I'll go into a story. It says in John 8, watch this. It's Jesus saying, I did not come on my own authority. So this is Jesus, the Savior. I actually thought about this the other day. So who knows of a footballer called Ronaldo? Messi? I think, I think they got the record, they're, they're kind of back and forward with the record on Instagram, who got the most likes and followers and all this kind of stuff, but how famous are they? How many followers do they have? It's, it's like 300 million. Think about this for a second. 
in about 100 years, the average person won't have a clue who the heck they are. Think about that. Just 100 years. Most people, in a, in a, if we were in the same church building in 100 years' time, and I said those names, I guarantee you most people, the next generation especially, wouldn't have a clue. That's nuts, but today we think, whoa, Jesus has been about for thousands of years, but yet he's still more popular. You've got to pay attention to that. We've got to pay attention. This is not a joke. This is ridiculous to even think. How, how can he not be who he says he is? So this is what Jesus says. I did not even come on my own authority. He's under authority. He's got the umbrella over his head. Or of my own accord as self-appointed. But he sent me. Why do you misunderstand what I say? It is because you're unable to hear what I'm saying. You cannot bear to listen to my message. Your ears are shut to my teaching. You are your father, the devil, and it is your will to, it's your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him. For he is a liar himself and the father of lies and all and of all that is false. He's talking about Satan, the devil. This is where sin comes from. But what I noticed about Jesus was he said, I'm a man under authority. How much more do we need to be under authority? If Jesus is willing to come under, there's something in it. It's important. It's essential. You know, what I realized with this here is that Jesus didn't rely on his feelings. His feelings were not his authority. Where in your life are your feelings your authority? I know there's areas in my life I'm working on right now that I've allowed my feelings to become my authority. Not on purpose, it just happened. Very natural, organic, just to, just to go with my feelings. But I'm, I'm in the process of changing that. I'm in the process of bringing them under submission, under God's authority, under His ways. But Jesus says, listen, I'm not under the authority of my feelings, I'm under the authority of my Father. And so feelings are great followers, but they're terrible leaders. Any area that you've been walking under the authority of your feelings, I guarantee you isn't producing very good fruit. I guarantee you there's not good progress in that area. I guarantee you if you're under, your, under the authority of your feelings in regards to fitness, you're not very fit. <laughs> if you're under the authority of your feelings in regards to eating, mm-hmm, you're probably not doing too well. Let's be honest. Yeah? Have you noticed all the guys, the coaches who are trying to get you fit, they give you a plan, a way of doing things? Because that's a healthy authority to come under that will actually get you the results because your feelings don't. Feelings are great followers. They're designed to follow, but they're not good at leading. Have you ever watched someone who's posting online about how they, you know, their fitness journey and they're like, oh, the first while it was terrible. Just getting started was the worst part. But once, like, once they get started, they turn into like a fitness freak. Right, Tegan? <laughs> once they get started, it's like their whole world. They're, 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 they're fired up. I can't wait for the gym. 
can't wait for Monday to get and do all that, spend all that energy and do those burpees. And like, what burpees are awful? I can't wait to go and, and do some cleaning jerks. I can't wait to get on the bench. What? That, what, what happened? You came under the authority of a plan that led to life. But, but you, initially, your feelings didn't lead you there. It was probably a decision. It could be a health decision. It could be I'm not feeling good about myself. It could be I feel depressed. It could be, but, but whatever it was, a feeling led you there. So feelings are a good indicator for where you're at. Feelings are a great indicator. If I'm coming in here and I don't feel fired up for Jesus, and I don't feel fired up for God's church, you know what's happened? It's, it's an indicator that I believe something which isn't true. If, if, if you're in a marriage or you're in a situation, whatever, a relationship, and, and you see a person, and all you find, find you have is anger, your feelings are telling you something that you need to fix. It's an, it's an arrow. It's pointing to something that is wrong. It's not a threat. It's not something you need to run from. You actually need to attack it. The same with anxiety. If you have anxiety, there's, what's the point running from it? It's not going to fix the problem. You're actually going to become enslaved to the anxiety until you dig deep enough and to rewire what you've believed. Because a lot of the anxiety, we, you know, the phobias that we have aren't real. They're narratives that we have created. You see, this is what the liar does, the enemy. He takes our gifts and our talents and uses our creative energy, our creative art, the ability that God has put inside of us, and he rewires it to destroy us. That's essentially what anxiety is. It's, you think of some of the amazing stories that you make up that fires up your endorphins, that fires up your adrenaline to make you completely afraid and scared. Is anyone in here like me? You can, the stories I can make up are incredible, but they're all nonsense. And they limit me, and they hold me back. And so I have to, you know, I was actually praying this week, and I was thinking about some of those things. And I really sensed, I had a moment, and I seen myself like nearly crawled up in like a cell. And there was a weird comfort about it. Did you know that sometimes when you're anxious, there's a weird comfort, like, I, I just don't want to move. But I really sense the Holy Spirit saying to me, but you have an option. That's not your only option. You can be bound in fear. You can be bound in anxiety. You can be bound by whatever that is in your life that has wounded, hurt you. But you also have a decision to leave the cell and bind with truth. And you actually have a choice to make yourself and bind with faith. I'm a different man with faith than I am with fear. I'm a different man with peace than I am with turmoil. I'm a different man when I have joy in me than when I'm downcast. I'm telling you, I'm a different man. But, but I've realized there's some areas that I've been granted those things because I haven't been wounded in some areas of my life. But there's some areas I've been wounded and hurt, but, but I now have to work my way out by coming into agreement with God's truth, and actually just taking my life back in those areas, and actually just deciding, no, I'm, not, I'm actually not going to go with the comfort of this anxiety and the fear. I'm actually going to say, no, that's not for me no more. I'm deciding to leave. I'm leaving the situation. I'm leaving these beliefs behind. I'm, not, no, I'm no longer staying here. I'm sorry. And this is an inward fight, but you can do it. 
but we align with God's word. Because God has said that the power of life and death in the tongue. We have it. It's our choice. No one else can fix it for us. You can't come to church. Some of you might have come to church thinking, if I just go to church, it'll all work out. No, it won't. But if you decide to follow God's ways, if you decide in, inside to rise up in faith, if you decide to come under the authority of God, yes, you can. Shifts will come. Watch this. It says in Mark 8 and 33, this is the situation with Peter and Jesus. Some of us know this. And, and what's happened here is, but turning around, his back to Peter, and seeing his disciple, he rebuked Peter. So Peter's trying to stop Jesus from doing what he senses the authority of God to tell him to do. So God has convicted him. He has to go to the cross. And, and Peter's sitting there saying, no, this is not right. He rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you do, you do not have a mind intent on promoting what God wills, but what pleases men. You're not on God's side but that of men. And so what Jesus is saying here is Peter's thinking too much about what others think, about the natural scenario. He's not tuned in to faith. He's not tuned in to God's peace. He's not tuned in to bigger thinking. Some of us are thinking too small. We're thinking short term. We're not thinking big picture because God is thinking big picture. He's thinking eternity. When he came to send Jesus to the earth, he wasn't thinking about a few weeks down the line. He was thinking about eternity. The big picture, where are you thinking too small? Because faith is expansive. Faith is large. Jesus came not to just give us an okay life, but a life more abundant than you could imagine. Expansive. It's big. It's large. It's are we limited in our thinking? Maybe anxiety has limited your thinking. And I'm not saying it just to expect that to disappear. I'm saying it's like the gym. You have to bring it under a plan, under a way of life. We have to attack it. We have to take our authority back. We have to become the boss of our own inside. God has given us that. It's our choice. And so I'm going to finish with this. What does an emotionally mature Christian Christ follower look like? So let me, I'll tell you a little story here. Love a story. I'll tell you a little story. So, so this is me processing, trying to, trying to grow as a better husband. And so a few days ago, I'll not tell you how soon this was, how, you know, how close this was, quite close. Um, been going through this process, Anna, my lovely wife, she's probably listening online, likes to make us dinner sometimes when she's not too tired from work. And often she gives me a bigger portion, and to make it for her, she keeps her, um, or, or the bit that she didn't take, she puts it in a little dish, and she has that for work for the next day, right? And I, I don't really process all those things in the moment. When she's doing this, I'm just like focused on eating my food and enjoying it. And she's obviously packaged a little bit on the side and you know, I'm not thinking too much when I go in the next day or, or, or that night. I, I, I just see food. <laughs> it's just food. It's fridge, food. Hungry, me hungry. I want food. You know, sometimes guys, we're a wee bit like that, just like, we're quite simple. 
It's funny, I, I was looking at this conference in regards to marriages and, and people, and, and this isn't obviously just for married couples, this is just relationships in general, but they were saying how a man has a thing called a nothing box, and, and you know what a nothing box is? It's, it's a box where we like to hang out in a lot, and there's nothing in it. This is like, oh, you want me to do what? And if you tell me something when I'm in the nothing box, I'm not remembering a thing. So I think I'm trying to help Anna understand that because I don't think she understands it. But, but with women, often there's, everything's connected and everything's going on at the same time. And, you know, it's nonstop. And a guy just doesn't understand that life. So anyhow, context, I'm coming that night to the fridge and I just see food. And there's that nice little prepare. I was like, oh, there must be leftovers. You know, it, it, makes, it, it, it makes sense for my story that I want to create right now. I'm hungry. I want food. Oh, that must be just leftovers class. That's brilliant. So thankful Anna's left some leftovers in the fridge. Now, this would be okay if this was a one-off, but unfortunately, I, I've kind of ate a small portion of that lunch, probably the, the best part of it, either the meat or the potato, twice. Now, a few days ago, Anna, was, Anna actually came and woke me up one of the mornings at 5 a.m. because she gets up at that time to get ready and she was not happy. <laughs> and, and the, you know, we're, we're also quite sensitive about waking each other, so I, it's like she must be really mad here. She's kind of... <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? I, I, the door slammed. Like, what did you do? You took my lunch. I'm like, okay. Um, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, ah. Uh, and, and then... So this happened for the third time just a few days ago. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, my word. And honestly, if, I, if I'm completely honest, she put it in a different dish. It was a Usually it's a plastic, you know, something you bring to work, a plastic dish. But it was in a glass dish. So I was thinking, right, these are definitely leftovers. <laughs> but, but it also suited me that they were leftovers because I was hungry after training. Yet again, 5 a.m. came. <laughs> you took my food again. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I, I, I guess I had to pay attention. Like, so basically what I'd done, I was like, right, I'm going to create a war here. I really wanted to fight my fight and say it's glass dish. There's no way. There's no way that's your dinner. Like, like it's your fault. You should have put it in plastic. Like, communicate with me here, woman. But, but then I had to humble myself and realize, Phil, that's probably your fault. Or at least tell her your side. So I went out and got her the best lunch I could find in Marks and Spencer's. Paid a fortune for it with my own card, not the joint account. <laughs> Made sure she knew it was my own card. Arrived to work at whatever time she wanted me to arrive at. Sat there waiting for 20 minutes until she came out. Even got her a smoothie and low-calorie crisps. There you are, darling. And to be fair, it's caught. It solved a lot of problems there. Uh, and she actually, not, I, heard, I didn't hear a peep. She didn't care about the potatoes anymore because she realized she actually got a better deal. So anyhow, the whole point I'm trying to make is, is I had to actually, there's a part of me wanted to fight my corner. There was a part of me wanted to rise up and, and get mad. You woke me up. That's a disgrace. I have to, to work today. I know I'm working from home, but you can't make light of that. And so, honestly, I could have very easily, and I probably did the first few times, if I'm honest, focused 
on why, like, that's a disgrace. I can't believe you woke me up at 5 a.m. Like, you've, you don't care about me. You're so selfish of you. Honestly, I find it very easy to do that. But the third time around, I had to assess. It's like, listen, Phil, in this situation, you can, you can try and defend yourself, or you can try and bring ownership to how I can't fix Anna and how she reacts to those situations. I can't force her to do anything, but I can, I, I can change myself. I can change my heart, how I respond. And, and as I, what's this? As I responded with, with taking ownership, what had actually done, Anna's <laughs> first response was like, oh, Phil, you're killing me with kindness. <laughs> Meaning, I want to get mad, and I want to punish you but because you've just repaid me by taking ownership, it's done. I'm actually more, she actually was more encouraged, even though we had to go through the whole thing and she had to get mad. She's she seen my character and it actually built our trust. And it wasn't perfect, but it was progressive. And love grew as she seen me sacrifice myself, even though there's part I was wrong, but I wasn't all wrong. She probably could have done it slightly different. Although she, I might, she might not have got through to me unless she'd done that. But, but you see, as a, as a person, the question is, where can you look at yourself? What about that person who, who, who you blame for the biggest wound that you possess right now in your life? That person could be a father, mother, a friend. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to put all the blame on them? Are you going to, what, what's God's will in the situation? I, I'm telling you, God is more worried not about where you are or where you are on the spectrum of the situation or the wound. God's more worried about who you are and how you, how you respond. Not what you do on the surface or not what they've done. It's too easy for us to point the finger. It's too easy, but the problem is you don't grow and that's not God's way. God's way is that, how can I get better? I'm not here to control my wife. I'm not designed, I'm here to serve her, to lay my life down as Jesus laid his life down for, for the church. And I couldn't believe the result. What a reminder for me that when I laid my life down and I took that posture, oh my word, the love grew. Oh my word, healing came. Oh my word, trust was built. Because listen, I didn't, I honestly, as a guy, I, I was in my nothing box. I wasn't thinking about every situation, how it impacted. I didn't really mean to hurt her. I certainly didn't want her coming in at 5 a.m. I didn't. I was genuine. In, and this is why I truly believe God can work more with somebody who gets it wrong but has a humble heart than somebody who tries to get it all right on the surface but is full of pride. God will use the person with a humble heart way more than he will to someone who's in a religious mindset of just trying to cross every T and dot every I. I guarantee you they'll burn out one. They'll be judgmental and they'll not be nice to be around. And love will not grow. Hate will grow. Judgment will grow. That's what religious, a religious spirit is. Somebody who's doing it on the surface right, but their heart is hard. And it's really broken. They don't, and they don't know what true love is. And so I'm thankful for the mess because I got a message for it now. 
I'm thankful for the brokenness because it gives me a chance to respond with the grace of God. And it gives me a chance to work on my true problems, the sin in me. And the sin in me sometimes is just the blindness because I believe lies that, that what I do, maybe some of you believe, like I believe, what I do in the fridge or in life doesn't affect anyone else, it does. What you do affects people, whether you like it or not. And so here's a few, a few st- statements around, I am convinced and I am deeply loved. We're going to finish here. So, so this is what a, a mature Christian would look like. I am deeply convinced that I am loved by Christ. So I don't inappropriately borrow love from others. Let me say that again. I am deeply convinced that I am loved by Christ. So what, what is the byproduct of that? I don't go around trying to get love off others, the love that Christ was supposed to give me. I've done that. I will continue to do that when I neglect the truth that Jesus loves me. And not just as an idea, but his presence. To know that, to be in prayer, in spirit and truth. Not just in truth, but in spirit. You see, when I know that, I'm free as a bird. I love my wife better. I love my friends better. I love you guys better. When I know that I'm deeply loved. What if right now, you've noticed if you're honest with yourself that you go around and and you ask certain people to come around or to hang out because you don't feel loved or deeply loved. And and I'm not saying we don't need support from friends, but, but ultimately, if we can understand that Jesus deeply loves you, that will give you a great foundation to stand on with other relationships. I'm deeply in tune with my own emotions and feelings. Are you? Am I? Or do you just want to put your head in the sand and pretend it's their fault that this happened? Or are you going to deal with your emotions? Or maybe are you going to take ownership that your feelings are an indicator and a director of of where there's maybe something that needs fixed? So mature, emotionally mature Christian is aware of their feelings. And, And aware when something's not right, oh, Flip, I feel mad at that person. Why? I feel jealous of that person. What am I going to do about that? Well, how do, you, how do you deal with that? You bless them. You speak life over them. You do the opposite of what the flesh wants. You actually get into God's presence and remind yourself of his love. I'm able to listen with empathy without having, what's this? I'm, I'm able to listen with empathy without trying to fix or save others. To fix change or save others. How many, how many of us are guilty of that? What does that mean? It means that when you try to fix people, sometimes if you're honest and self-aware enough, the reason you're trying to fix people is because you don't feel loved and you get a boost, a confidence booster when everyone's like, you're so amazing. I love the way you do that. And I'm not saying you're not supposed to feel encouraged, but you've got to be careful. Why are you doing that? Because it can become toxic. You can start to do things out of something that looks noble, but it's actually, you're trying to find the love you're actually idolizing those situations. You're trying to find the love that Christ offers you in that situation, which also might be a gift of yours. I can express, I can express my anger, hurt, or fear without blaming, appeasing, or holding grudges. Can you? I've got to ask myself, can I? I'm in process. I'm working on it. See, I love, I remember hearing somebody tell me about some of the, the guys who are the most successful people who are most successful in regards to the business world, 
The reason they're successful is because they can sit in a room and shout at each other across a boardroom and go have lunch after. What does that mean is that they're able to compartmentalize, okay, this is business this is, and this is relationship. They're mature enough. I think that's the same as us. We got to know, right, this is not personal. If we get feedback, do you want to bite back? <laughs> yes. A lot of time if someone gives me critical feedback, I'm getting better. <laughs> it's a process. A friend of mine who's a pastor told me this, Phil, if someone comes and complains about the church or the service, say thank you. Because they're actually helping you stay humble. You mightn't agree with them. You mightn't like what they say, but just say thank you. Don't try and fight them. Don't try and prove your point. Just say thanks. I'll take it on board. They might have a point too. Don't come rushing after the service, okay? <laughs> okay, the next point, my foundations are secure. An emotionally mature Christian, listen, I don't expect any of you to be there, but let's get on the journey. Let's get in process. So a mostly mature person would say, I live in truth, not pretense, illusions, or exaggerations. Sometimes in churches, we find people who, who over-spiritualize things, but it's not true. Over-spiritualize hopes, but they're not reality. Why? Because it's, you're not mature enough to deal with the truth. You're maybe in denial. It's important that we know how to deal with the truth. I can receive criticism without being defensive. Woo. As many as a day I wanted to chuck the coffee over the person rather than make it for them. <laughs> Are we allowed to be honest in church? Or should we just fake it and never make it? And so, so that's a real emotion, but it's not a mature one. Because when I, when I trust God for my future and my present and my past, when I, when I know that He deeply loves me, my posture is different. hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.